Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I have gotten made fun of for the last four years for being a Marcus Mariota fan. For believing in Marcus Mariota. I can no longer defend Marcus Mariota after he didn't play last night. Some people out there are going to say, oh, it's unfair to question a guy. Let me tell you this. If you practice on Thursday and Friday and you are listed as questionable on the team scouting report, then you 1 billion percent have to play on Sunday with your team's playoff future on the line at home in what was the biggest home game in a decade. In the NFL, you may well get few opportunities to actually make the playoffs in your career. In fact, the average quarterback does get few opportunities to make the playoffs in his career. The average quarterback gets even fewer opportunities to make the playoffs in a year like this, where, frankly, I think anybody who makes the AFC this year could make a run to the Super Bowl if they just got a couple of breaks and if things went well for them. As much as I have been a Mariota guy, if you have gone four years in your NFL career and you have been unable to finish the season in three of them, rookie season injured before the season is complete. Second year injured before the season is complete. Now fourth year injured before the season is complete. You may be a great guy, and I think Mariota is, you may be at times have shown flashes of brilliance even, 
and I think Mariota has, but ultimately you have to be available for your team at the times that they need you in order to get big money. And I just don't think Marcus Mariota is worthy anymore of being considered a franchise quarterback. A franchise quarterback plays in that game. A franchise quarterback, when he is listed as questionable and practices on the field on Thursday and Friday, has to make himself available for his team on Sunday. You can say, well, he could have gotten more severely injured. Guess what? It's the NFL. Every time you take the field, you face the possibility of career-ending injury. You have to be a gladiator. That's why you get paid big money to go out and make plays when you are able to play at all. And if you are able to practice on Thursday and Friday as Mariota was, and if you are listed as questionable for this game, you can't sit out. I'm sorry, it's the biggest home game in a decade. There's no way on earth that Steve McNair would have set out this game for the Tennessee Titans. The result is, I don't think the Titans can give Marcus Mariota money. I think it's going to be hard for him to overcome this with the fans, with his teams. I think it sucks. I wish the guy was healthy, but ultimately, you have to show up and play. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and your health matters. Look, there's a lot of people right now listening to this show driving into work who feel like crap. You have to show up and play. I could do the greatest radio show on the planet if I missed three months of work because my voice would get uh, inflamed. Wouldn't be my fault. Wouldn't be my fault that I couldn't stay healthy. I wouldn't have this job. If I could do nine months of radio but the other three months I couldn't work, I wouldn't be on the show. But an example you gave on the air a few months ago was if there was a chance that your vocal cords were going to go at any moment and you could never speak again, you said you would sit out and not do your radio I show. Said, I, I said if you'd make a business decision, and that was an example of the uh, college. Right. right. But that's a big difference because if I were already making millions of dollars, Okay, which is what Marcus Mariota is doing. I said I would make a business decision if I was a college kid. If I'm a college kid, I'm not playing in the bowl game because effectively what you're telling me is, hey, go out and risk your guaranteed multi-million dollar contract on this situation. If I already make millions of dollars, and there's not really an easy analogy for a, a radio show because... Like, I don't, what's the highest level we can achieve? You know, it's not like we suddenly uh, ascend to the playoffs and I get into like a bracket style challenge against Dan Patrick and Colin Cowherd and everybody else to figure out who's going to be the greatest radio guy of the year. And I get a huge prize at the end of that year. But let's presume that like I'm already making millions of dollars, let's say like Marcus Mariota. And then I know that there is this huge prize at the end of the year and I'm going to get awarded the Super Bowl of Sports Talk Radio, and that Super Bowl of Sports Talk Radio is everything that we aspire to gain. That's the reason why everybody is playing, that I'm not sitting out because my throat hurts. I'm just not doing it. Like That's different than, I think, if you're making no money 
and you're like, oh, it totally makes a smart business decision. Marcus Mariota has made, uh, I don't know what the total number is, like $12 million in his career, and he has a $21 million option that's already been picked up. So he's already made, even if he never plays another snap, $33 million in his career. And I just don't buy the fact that he's suddenly going to get injured and never be able to play again. Who's the last You're talking about nerve no, no, endings, though. Who is the last quarterback to get injured in a game and never be able to play again because he was so severely injured at the quarterback position? Probably Theismann. And that was in what, 1984? I mean, one of you guys can tweet me. Like, the quarterback position, it just doesn't happen that you suddenly get injured and you're never able to play again. Right? I mean, it, it's almost unheard of. And find me a guy who has gotten nerve damage and has never been able to play again. We don't have any uh, knowledge that Marcus Mariota is ever going to be this close to the playoffs again for the rest of his career. There are guys all year who will fight and put themselves into a position to try to play a game as big as what the Titans had at home last year. Biggest home biggest home game in a decade. Uh, and he doesn't show up and play. Sorry, I don't believe in you anymore. This is a prove to me that you are the franchise quarterback kind of game. You want to make $20 million plus a year. You got to be the guy to go out and make a play. And he didn't do it. Didn't even take the field. And I think it's particularly grating in a city where Steve McNair exists. Steve McNair played through an unbelievable litany of injuries over and over and over again. The toughness meter is set at a high level in Nashville based on what Steve McNair did. So Mariota's standing in a hoodie on the sideline while his team gets their teeth kicked in because they got to play Blaine Gabbert. I don't know that Mariota can come back from this. I'll be honest with you. I really don't. I don't know that he can win back over his uh, his fans. I don't know that he can win back over his teammates. I don't know that he can win back over this organization. I think he had to play, and he didn't do it. And frankly, I think it's hard to defend him at this point. Sucks to be injured, play four seasons, haven't been able to finish three. That's kind of what you are. You're Mr. Glass. I've been the biggest Mariota guy out there because the ceiling when he's able to play is really high. But if you play four NFL seasons and in three of them you've been unable to finish the year, you are Mr. Glass. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Indianapolis Colts uh, punched their ticket, the final team to join the 12-team NFL playoffs. I think they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I really do with the way Andrew Luck is playing, the way they're protecting him uh, with that offensive line. Ultimately, it is a quarterback's league, and the Colts are getting hot down the stretch. One bad performance on the road against the Colts. Other than that, after that 1-5 start, they are now 9-1. Uh, Did I do that math right? Live math on the air, always difficult. But one reason they got the win, because Marcus Mariota didn't play. What do I think happened? Why do I think Marcus Mariota did not go out and play? I think it's dueling doctors. A lot of people uh, who don't spend a lot of time in the medical profession don't understand that ultimately diagnoses is a art as much as it's a science. In other words, if you've ever had an injury and you go see multiple doctors, you're going to get multiple opinions. I think the only explanation for the way that we saw this thing play out 
is that the Titan team doctors were saying Mariota can go. Marcus Mariota went and got his own opinion, and those doctors said he couldn't go. It's the only explanation. Otherwise, if the Titan team doctors were saying, oh, Marcus Mariota's season is over, then there's no way on earth you should have had him in practice. No way on the planet to justify him being out there on Thursday and Friday in practice, even if it's non-contact. Teddy Bridgewater destroyed his leg in non-contact practice. If you are the Tennessee Titans and your doctors are saying Marcus Mariota is done, he can no longer play, he's got significant injury, then go ahead and put him on IR and finish the season that way. Still an ugly end of the season, but at least you eliminate all questions about whether or not he can go. You don't let him practice on Thursday and Friday. You don't list him as questionable. You don't have the news come out on Sunday morning that's leaked by his agent that he's not going to play. I think Mike Vrabel did not force Marcus Mariota to play because ultimately every player makes the decision whether or not he's going to go. And ultimately, Marcus Mariota made the decision, I'm not going to go. And I think in the process, basically ended his tenure with the Tennessee Titans. I think he'll come back in year five on his option year. I think he'll get hurt. And I think basically his career will be over. That's what I've seen in four years. 75% of the seasons that Marcus Mariota has played in the NFL, he hasn't finished the year. It's a cruel, brutal world in the NFL. If you can't play, you don't get paid. 75% of the time when he started a season, he hasn't finished it. I think it'll be 80% after year five, and then I think he'll be off and done. I think Titans will be back to drafting a quarterback. I think the same thing, by the way, is going to happen with Jameis Winston. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to walk away from him after a fifth year where he doesn't get it done. Both the guys are going to be busts my opinion, based on everything that I've seen through four years. Kirk Cousins sucks. Didn't play well this year. At least he was on the field. We got a lot of calls. 877-996-6369. Going to let everybody react as we roll into the NFL games. Let's go first to Derek in Oregon. What's up, Derek? Say about Marcus Mariota, this guy is a warrior from Oregon to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, let's say two weeks ago or however when he was doing amazing for the team, as he always has been, the team has always been behind him because he is truly a leader. Uh, hurt or not, he's played hurt throughout the season. Had to let's play. Had to play. Oh, hold on, Derek. He had to play last night. Absolutely, positively. If you can practice on Thursday and Friday, you have to be on the field on Sunday. You can't be questionable in a game that puts your team into the playoffs. Did you see how bad Blaine Gabbard is? If you don't go, your team is going to lose, and it's probably not going to be close, just like we saw last night. Blaine Gabbard is awful. Shouldn't be in the league. Doesn't deserve to be a backup. Blaine Gabbard is not good, all right? If you are Marcus Mariota, and you are able to practice on Thursday and Friday, ultimately it's going to be your call. You have to go. People say, oh, the coaches took me. No, no. This is the player's call. This is a questionable diagnosis. He's not on injured reserve. He's not out for the rest of the season. Could he do damage to himself? Yes. Every NFL player that plays when he's hurt could make himself worse. You rarely get into the playoffs if you are a quarterback of Mariota's caliber. When you play, what do we what do we say? You play to make the playoffs, right? You got to be there. You got to win the game. When you have an opportunity, Mariota had a chance. He didn't do it. Derek, I love him. Look, I think he's a great guy. Loved watching him play at Oregon. 
Loved watching him play in the first four years. Sometimes people are surprised when I change my opinions. I weigh all of the evidence before I come to a conclusion. Sometimes people say, oh, you're always on one side or always on the other. No, I look at all the evidence, and when all the evidence tells me something that's different than what I believed beforehand, I don't look back and say, well, I used to have this opinion. I changed my mind. And this was a line of demarcation for me. Marcus Mariota had to be on the field. He wasn't. I don't think you can consider him the franchise quarterback anymore. Let him play in year five. He's probably going to get hurt again. And then you cut him and move on. Brutal world. I don't think it's going to happen for Marcus Mariotti. Can't stay healthy. I can be the best radio host of all time. If I miss three months every year because my voice stops working, guess what? Eventually, I'm not going to be doing radio. Can't blame the bosses. Some, it's, you got to show up and perform. Uh, let's go to uh, Wayne in Kentucky. What's up, Wayne? Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with you about Marietta. Uh, he, uh, you and I, like you said, when we got hired at our job, we were hired to come and work and do our job, and because we were paid to do it, we're supposed to show up. And if we don't show up, then they'll get rid of us. And Mariana has the opportunity, but he he's just not showing up. And you know, there's another quarterback, in my opinion, is about is about, about the same as him, and that's Flacco, because Flacco was hurt for three weeks, and he hit. He could have come back. Now, I know the coaches made the change for Jackson, and I'm glad they did. But at the same time, Flacco, for the beginning of the season, didn't want to help Jackson out. So I think he didn't even have the attitude that uh, he has the same attitude as Barbieto. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Let's bring in Alex Marvez. Let's start here. Alex, how many NFL head coaches do you think are going to get fired by the end of today? Well, we got two, right, that we're still waiting on, Vance Joseph. And actually, it's weird because I got some mixed signals on whether Vance would be back, even though all signs are pointing to him being out. But the Broncos didn't announce anything after the game. A lot of times teams do that. I think in the case of the Arizona Cardinals, and this may sound goofy, but it's, it's awkward when the coach is fired and being on the same flight you know, all the way back home. <laughs> right. And, you know, so I think in, the, in this case with Steve Wilkes, we'll probably wait until the morning to go down that rabbit hole. And, and you know, we, it may be a day or two after that. I think the, the Cardinals, too, just have to see the landscape of, okay, what's out here? Do we want to let this guy have another shot? And is Steve Kime, uh, you know, the right general manager? But you notice it, it's interesting, too, like Tampa Bay and the New York Jets, they're keeping their general managers. Well, isn't one of the reasons that these head coaches didn't succeed because some of the personnel decisions weren't all that great. Hmm, interesting how these teams seem to be giving executives more run here. And, you know, in the case of McCagnan and in the case of Jason, Mike McCagnan and Jason Light with the Jets and Bucks, respectively, and their head coaching changes, you know, the argument's now going to be made, well, they can hire their own guy rather than being matched with someone. It worked out with Matt Nagy, uh, you know, and Ryan Pace in Chicago. We'll see if it works out for these guys, but paint me a little bit skeptical. Uh, we're talking to Alex Marvez. Go follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. All right, let's start with Sunday Night Football. I uh, So the Colts and Andrew Luck uh, are, I think, good enough to win the AFC in the, and, and go to the Super Bowl. So let's start on that side. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10 uh, after starting, I believe, 1-5. and five. And, uh, and I think they're going to beat the Texans on the road in that wild card game. Um, do you uh, agree with me about the Colts and the fact that they're good enough to win the AFC in this year where it seems like it's totally wide open? 
and uh, what did you think about what you saw from Andrew Luck last night? Well, a couple things about this. I think it's it's matchup wise. They match up great against Houston, right? I mean, yep. T. Y. Hilton averages a hundred yards receiving a game against the Houston Texans during his career. I mean, and that's back when the Colts didn't have a great offense. And you know, T. Y. By the way, nine hundred fifty-one yards in receiving uh, since Week Eight. It is the highest average in the NFL. He's averaging one hundred five point seven yards per game during that span. But you know what? And we're talking about Andrew Luck and this Colts offense. Let's not give short trip to this defense here. They have allowed the fewest points in the NFL since week nine. How about that? 131. That is it. And Darius Leonard obviously leading the way with a franchise record, 163 tackles. What an incredible rookie. I mean, Pierre Desir, you know, a guy, young man, I think he came out of Lindwood or something college. I'm not joking when I say this. In, you know, weird travel uh, story for him to make it to the league, but he's actually becoming a bit of a shutdown guy and not letting opposing wide receivers take over a game. And, you know, Danico Autry, hey, if you're not good enough to rush the passer for the Raiders like Khalil Mack, why don't you go ahead and do it somewhere else? He's done a nice job on that front too but I like this I like the matchup against Houston I don't like their possibilities maybe going elsewhere and when I say that outdoor indoor team playing outdoors potentially in Foxborough Andrew Luck has never beaten Bill Belichick he didn't do it again this season in Foxborough and the same thing with Kansas City playing outdoors I'm just not sure if they're really that they're at that step yet that they can do this I don't want to sell them short but I think win Sunday or win this weekend very possible in the first game uh continue it in week two not so much ugly end of the season for the Tennessee Titans Marcus Mariota goes out and practices on Thursday and Friday he's listed as questionable and then on Sunday news comes out and they uh and they say oh he's not gonna play uh what happened there what do you think the future is for Mariota you know you've been on this show a lot I'm a Mariota believer coming in he's lost me I mean I'm gonna be honest with you uh this four seasons now Three of them he hasn't been able to finish because of injury. Not playing uh, on last night to me uh, after you go out and you're practicing on Thursday and Friday and you're listed as questionable. I, I, I just either the Titans have bungled this or he has. Um, and uh, also in this situation now, I don't think you can commit to him long term because of his health status. Like it's a little bit different than maybe with Jameis Winston where you question a lot of the decision making. I just think it's unfortunate. Like Mariota hasn't been able to stay healthy. And if I'm gonna be committing twenty million plus for years to come on a quarterback, he's gotta be able to take the field and he's gotta be able to finish the season. Well, a couple things about this. Number one, let's not forget the subterfuge that goes on in the NFL. The only thing that people saw from Marcus Mariota when it came to the reports about him practicing is that they see him throwing a football on the side while the team is warming up to go practice. And they listed him as questionable. And if we're to take this ESPN report at its word that, you know, he was going to potentially suffer permanent damage that would not allow him to continue to play football if he took the wrong type of hit, well, I really can't let me, believe let me stop. Thing. Let me stop there. Every single quarterback, if they take the wrong hit, could suffer permanent damage and not be able to play again. Like that but is not every quarterback is having a not every quarterback's having a spine specialist tell them entering a game you have suffered an injury. Okay, if, you if continue that is to play. Okay, if that is true though, Alex, there's right. no way on earth he should be on. If you're using the injury history in any way, the injury report in any way is valid. There's no way on earth that he should be out on the field in a helmet, in a uniform, doing anything at practice on Thursday and Friday. Period. Period. Like the Titans should get fired. Titans should get fined a billion dollars if that is true. If this guy could 
get paralyzed if he just look we know a lot of times it happens in non-contact situations the titans should get fined a billion dollars by the nfl because they put a guy out in practice and said he was questionable when there was a zero percent chance of him playing and also he could have gotten paralyzed in practice all right my well, argument is no argument that, play and by the way what about a lawsuit when it comes to potential gambling and liability yeah if you're talking about teams that aren't on the up and up and they're not they're not listing players because like you said if there's a, if there's a serious a risk then someone needs to be accountable right if and you think the guy's going to get paralyzed if that's what you believe if that report is accurate and and what i think happened here is multiple different doctors giving multiple different diagnoses and i think that the one that they decided to put out i think it was mariota's agent leaking it is the worst, most devastating one possible to cover for the fact that his guy wasn't going to play. Um, and so people are like, oh, well, he could have gotten paired. Like every single time a quarterback lines up under center, he could suffer career-ending injury. It usually doesn't happen. Maybe it's going to happen with Alex Smith. Uh, we asked this question earlier. Can you remember a quarterback who has gone into a game and gotten injured to such an extent that their career was over? Uh, Greg Cook, Cincinnati Bengals. When was that? 19, 1969. He would have been their franchise quarterback. I mean, I'm just I'm going in order. I mean, if you want me to, keep there's going. not very many. When's the most recent? Well, I mean, let's. I, I mean, you just asked me this question on the spot. I can yeah, keep no, going no. Bert, My point. I can keep going. Burt Jones in 1976. My point is, it doesn't. Guy, it doesn't Bradshaw happen very often. No, it doesn't happen very often, but not very often are guys being told that if you play in a football game based upon a prior injury, and we're talking a prior injury here, we're talking about that situation. It's a different deal. When a player steps on the field, of course they're assuming a risk of being hurt. It wasn't that they told Alex Smith before the game, hey, listen, uh, you know, you're, you're at a higher risk of tearing up your leg because of an, in- of an injury. No. I mean, that's the whole thing. And, and, you know, I would love to get more clarity of this more than what Chris Mortensen is reporting and where his, you know, and, and the sources and his is truly accurate. I mean, look, and, it, and it's funny, too, because Dr. David Chow, you know, pro football doc on Twitter, he's been saying all week long he doesn't expect Marcus Mariota to play, and he didn't expect him to play again anytime soon based upon the nature of what he believed the injury was. But it leads to some questions about transparency in the NFL and these injury reports. And, you know, are, are the Tennessee Titans going to get into trouble? And is someone going to say, listen, this is ridiculous. You have to be, if, with the public trust that is put in you now with legalized gambling, you must be more forthright in the way that you handle injuries than you've been in the past. To me, that, that's as big an issue as anything go, going on here because I think that the Titans were trying to keep the Indianapolis Colts in the dark and in the process putting the public in the dark as well when it comes to the status of their quarterback. And with all the legalized gambling now, if this isn't in today's NFL, I don't think you should be allowed to do that. If the Titans also did that, they threw their quarterback under the bus because when you let him go out and practice on Thursday right. and Friday and you list him as questionable – then the expectation, I think, among reasonable people is this person, this player, is uh, healthy enough to potentially play in the game, right? And if that were never the case, then the Titans threw their quarterback under the bus. Um, I, and, and what they should have done too is if too. what play what they should have done too, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know this is your show after all. But but I mean, if if there was a, a diagnosis, let's say it comes in Friday or Saturday then you needed to change his status on the injury report. You needed to get him out of this game, not 90 minutes before the, you know, the, before kickoff of the game, but legitimately declare him out well before upon receiving that information. So something happened in the chain of command somewhere that's messed up, and let's see if the NFL acts upon it and people are banging the drum loud enough to get them to pay attention to it, because I think the public should be upset about the lack of transparency here by the Tennessee Titans when it comes to this player. And you're right, the Titans doing Marcus Mario 
Mariota no favors with the way that they're handling this. And players are told, don't talk about injuries. Remember when Pat Shermer was leaning on Odell Beckham Jr. to not talk about how badly he was injured? And it, it often happens. You know, coaches and GMs, uh, they do not feel other players' pain, so to speak. So I, I agree with you in that there should be some transparency to this. But, I mean, and Mar- Mariota, here's the deal. I really think it's a one-year type of thing with him. They'll pay him the $20 million remaining on his rookie contract. There's no other option on this team at quarterback. And the upside that Marcus Mariota has, coming off of a record-setting season by all accounts, when it comes to the statistics he posted, still gives them the best chance in 2019. Now, if you're the Titans, too, do you draft a quarterback in the second or third round, try to develop a more credible backup than Blaine Gabbert? You should. You know, at this point, you're, you're a pretty stock team as it is, the Titans. So I, I think you move in that direction and you couch it. Or you just say, you know what? Screw it. We'll go ahead. We'll go 2020. No safety net. We're going to count on Marcus Mariota. And if it doesn't work out, well, we'll have the cap space to make a move in 2021, either in the draft or more likely a veteran player. But I would like to see them draft a quarterback early on to, to couch their bet with Mariota. Mariota and Winston, are we effectively in the same spot? I mean, I think Mariota has been more reliable than Winston, certainly yeah. off the field, right? Um, and, and on the field, I think, as well. He's had three straight winning seasons. Um, but I don't think either franchise is sold on their guy. So you go back, give them $20 million in year five, and then you wait and see what happens. Can they stay healthy? Can they put their teams in the playoffs or whatever else? And then you've got the franchise tag hanging out there, right? Even yep. if you're not convinced after year five, you can be like, hey, you know, we can't work out a long-term deal. To me, that seems like it makes the most sense by far so you don't get caught with one of these massive, uh, you know, we'll get to the Kirk Cousins situation here in a minute. Is that kind of where you think both franchises are? Absolutely. Listen to these numbers for the Bucks. I mean, and this is just, uh, this is fascinating to me. And I know Ryan Fitzpatrick played some, but largely Jameis Winston this season, right? 5,125 net passing yards, the fourth highest total in NFL history. 396 points, 6,648 yards, 49 touchdowns, 36 passing TDs, 388 first downs, and a 46% conversion rate on third downs. All of these franchise records, and you finish 5-11. and 11. So what is exactly broken on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? It's the defense, right, and the inability to, to, turn, to get turnovers. And also Jameis Winston, at least once a game, you, you just sit there and you, you shake your head. Hey, what are you doing, Jameis? Why, why don't you have pocket presence? Jameis, why are you making that throw? Jameis, why did you have ball, bad ball security? And, and I don't know if you're going to get better offensive coaches than Dirk Cutter and Todd Monken, who worked with him on a continual basis. So, but you know what? By the Bucks keeping Jason Light as their general manager, to me it indicates Jameis Winston will be back for one more year. And, yeah, I mean, we'll see who ends up as head coach. A lot of positive buzz about Bruce Arians, although I'm not sure if Bruce's, you know, depends upon the staff he gets together. Bruce could have, by the way a powerhouse staff coming to Tampa Bay. If he wants to bring in Todd Bowles as his defensive coordinator now that he's out with the Jets, you want to get Freddie Kitchens if he's potentially available in Cleveland or even Byron Leftwich, who is his protege. Harold Godwin is still out there. I mean, you could get that old Arizona crew back together if you think that's going to help Jameis Winston play better football. But I'm with you. One-year prove-it deal for Jameis. One-year prove-it deal for Mariota. And by the way, not a great free agent class of quarterbacks, I don't think, unless you're really sold on Nick Foles. And nothing in the draft is going to float your boat. I don't think as far as taking a guy uh, as your future franchise quarterback for either of these teams. Kirk Cousins, if you're the Viking, if you're a Vikings fan waking up this morning, um, just an absolute disaster of a game against the Bears. You can't fire the offensive coordinator now. What's the story there? 
Well, I mean, I think what people expect of Kirk Cousins because of the contract and all of the hype surrounding him, that, that he was going to be Dante Culpepper, Randall Cunningham, and Fran Tarkenton all rolled into one. And he wasn't. I mean, that's never been Kirk Cousins. He's been an efficient quarterback who needs a good supporting cast around him to take a team to where he wants to be. He's generally not going to get you beat. He's going to be very good with a completion percentage, and I do believe he completed 70% of his passes this season. But he's not a game-changing quarterback. And I, and I just and listen, I, I get where the Vikings were at. They just thought, okay, we can surround this guy with enough talent at the running back position, have a good offensive line, and the defense will make game-changing plays. This defense was not very dynamic this season. Yeah, we look at the yards, and they gave up the third fewest number of yards, but big plays, they weren't there. They got stale on the defensive side of the football, and offensively, it never clicked. And, and listen, the passing of Tony Sperano in the, in the preseason, you know, that was devastating for this team. It, the offensive line just wasn't all that great. I think that's a miscalculation there, but Kirk Cousins is going to bear the brunt of this. They need to build up better around him. Listen, you're not doing anything with the guy. You're, you're not only say you're stuck with him, he's your quarterback for the next two years. But I worry that the Vikings under Mike Zimmer may have peaked, and we we may have seen the best of the Vikings last year because really this team with everything on the line yesterday needing to show up against the Bears and even with the Bears pulling their defensive players with about six minutes left in the game because they knew that they had the uh, the number three seed already wrapped up well at that point and you can't win I think that speaks volumes about how about this Vikings team in 2018. How much is Nick Foles going to get on the open market? Ooh, you know, that's, he's still, it's interesting. He's like a weird, it's a weird deal. It's like, uh, let's say butterscotch ice cream, right? It's not going to be tasty for everyone. I think there are some teams that perceive Nick Foles as, wow, this is a, this is a guy that can, you know, be a difference maker for us and right place, right time quarterback. Like I can see the Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, thinking, man, Nick Foles is perfect for us. Veteran leadership, you know, it's smart guy. He's won a Super Bowl. He, you know, he can do better than Blake Bortles, that type of thing. So I would imagine in the range of $23, $24 million a season, I'm not sure if he's going to get much more than that because I just think that, you know, at some point it's like with Case Keenum as well, you know, and I'm, I know Nick is a better quarterback than Case, but Case was about a $20, 21000000 million a year quarterback. I can see Foles get into that. The big question is this, what type of bidding war is there going to be for his services? And does some team have to blow Nick Foles away with this type of contract that is going to give him a lot of cash up front? I mean, $25 million a year, maybe, but he's not going to break the bank and set a record as a franchise quarterback. I think teams realize he's good, but not that good. But I'll tell you this, Clay, if he keeps winning and taking this Eagles team deep into the postseason and beats the Bears on Sunday, we can start adding some millions to that price tag. They're getting those seven digits ready. What about Leonard Fournette? Uh, this is one of the most staggering oh. stories I think I've seen in a long time because there were no suggestions, at least that I heard at LSU, about this guy being a malcontent, uh, about you could kind of see the wheels coming off with his pro career such that what has happened in Jacksonville. And for people who don't know, you can kind of run through the, the, what, what has gone on the last, uh, last few weeks. But this is kind of unheard of, right? It's weird, you know, how, it, how a player – well, you know, I don't think he hits it off with Doug Marone, obviously. don't think he hits it off with Tom Coughlin. And, you know, you have the hamstring injury that's hampered him this season. I, you know, with Leonard, it's weird. A lot of folks, you know, that, that, I've, that have been around him said that he really started to change, you know, as, as his NFL career drew closer and became a different type of guy. As you remember coming to the draft, he had the weight issue. And, and he himself admitted, I didn't work as hard this season as I could have. I, I mean, it, it's messy with Leonard Fournette. And it's weird, too, like you mentioned. 
in play because I thought going into the season, I had a chance to talk with Leonard at training camp, and, and he seemed more mature than as a rookie, you know, and, uh, you know, like where he wanted to take on a role of team leadership. At least he said all the right things. He had dropped his weight down to about 224. He looked pretty darn good. And then everything unraveled, and his behavior yesterday, sitting on the bench with TJ Yeldon, basically those guys off by themselves while the Jaguars, you know, lost another game and can't do anything on offense, I think will tell you where he's at. And, and listen, after the game in his news conference, Doug Marone said the locker room culture, that's on me. Some things have to change. And we had a group there. You know, it's one thing in Pittsburgh where, where guys, you know, talk trash and have issues with each other but ultimately come together and play on Sundays. Well, in the case of the Jaguars, this team had issues and didn't show up on Sundays, and that's not a winning combination. But Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell, and Tom Coughlin all given one more season at least to get this thing right in Jacksonville. And it starts at finding the right quarterback. And Leonard Fournette, hey, quesada, sada. You know, I could imagine he'd be on the trade market potentially this offseason unless there's a real change of attitude. What do you think happens uh, in the wild card weekend? So there anybody that you love in the wild card and you think this could be a Super Bowl team? <laughs> I mean, wild card weekend, I just don't trust Chicago. I mean, Chicago, huge step, by the way, beating the Minnesota Vikings on the road. I'd like to see them do it again against a better team uh, before I really start buying stock into them. Baltimore Ravens, scary, man. Just scary. You know, the way that they run the football. Everybody knows what they're going to do, right? Nobody can stop it. I mean, and that's, that's pretty darn impressive. So I actually like their odds against the Chargers. I mean, it'll be an interesting rematch, especially as you heard in the news update, Melvin Gordon, Hunter Henry are reportedly on track to play. Not sold on Houston, especially because the winner of that, uh, you know, potentially Houston having to go to New England. I just, I just don't buy Houston as being that type of team. Dallas, good, not great. Seattle, eh, limited in the passing game at times. I just, I'm just not feeling it. I really think it's probably going to be New Orleans, and, and I believe New England. I just think the Patriots getting that, that first game in Foxborough is so huge. And do we trust the Chiefs to win at Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason for the first time since 1993? Yeah. Not necessarily sold on it because of that defense. Last uh, question for you. This news broke while we were on the air. Uh, Adam Schefter reporting Mike Mayock will be the Raiders' new GM. Your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it depends if he's allowed to be a GM. You know, he'll offer – look, if he and John Gruden have a good relationship and John wants to listen to Mike Mayock and take Mike's advice and don't do things like trade third-round picks for Martavis Bryant and, you know, don't, don't sign so many old guys on your team but while, you know, not paying attention to the draft. I mean, those types of things, yeah, there's a chance for success. But, any, you know, with John Gruden essentially having the final say on the personnel matters that go on there, I don't know. It, 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 John just has to respect the guy and listen to him. And hopefully Mike Mayock is a guy that he does respect. They have a good relationship and the Raiders team can move forward. Such a huge pivotal, you know, such a huge offseason for this team play, as you know, having two first round draft picks in addition to their own, the way that they are, they got to nail these things to start laying the groundwork, not necessarily for next season, but for 2020 in Las Vegas. Outstanding stuff as always. Alex Marvez, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good new year, my man. Thank you, Clay. Be good, baby. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Tua came back from a high ankle sprain and played basically a phenomenal game against the Oklahoma Sooners. And this is why I've always said this. You cannot award the Heisman Trophy until the full year, in my opinion, is complete. Kyler Murray came out and got exposed in the beginning of that game. Alabama shut him down for the first quarter, took control, was up 28-0, and effectively that game was over at that point in time. 
Alabama never after what about like uh, what five minutes in they were up 14 nothing and they were never not leading by double digits for the rest of that game now credit for Oklahoma they did not completely quit or anything like that but you felt like Alabama could name their score against that defense and the tide just decided to take a lot of the air out of the game score at halftime is 31 to 10 Alabama's up three touchdowns. The fact that Alabama did not cover is brutal if you are a gambler because they had complete control of that game. They took a knee inside of the 10-yard line to run out the clock as opposed to covering. But that game was never in doubt. And watching that game in person, I do think it's an intriguing decision that Kyler Murray has to make. Does he decide to go play in baseball or does he go pro in the NFL I don't see any reason why you wouldn't put your name in the NFL draft if you were Kyler Murray at this point. Somebody might take you in the first round and think, hey, this guy can be Russell Wilson. This guy can be a really high-level former baseball player who can make all the throws from all the different angles. The 49-yard touchdown pass he made was fantastic. I know he's undersized. I know he wouldn't measure that well. But why wouldn't you go in the NFL draft if you're Kyler Murray and see where you get drafted? Uh, People say, oh, you can have a lot longer career in baseball, and that's certainly true. But you also have a really high chance of never making Major League Baseball. There are a lot of first-round draft picks in Major League Baseball. I'd love to know the data on this, who never end up playing in the Major Leagues. The baseball draft is massive. You have to work your way up. You have to play in the minor leagues for a long time. There are a lot of high draft picks in baseball that never make the major leagues. If Kyler Murray gets drafted into the NFL, he's going to play in the NFL, especially if he gets drafted highly in this draft where there aren't necessarily a lot of big-time quarterbacks. Drew Locke, I think, will go high. Will Greer's going to go high. Dwayne Haskins, if he officially comes out. But I'm not sure those are three guys that just set the world on fire for you. Drew Locke's the latest Missouri quarterback. Blaine Gabbert, no good. Chase Daniel, been around forever. Maybe Drew Locke's going to be really good. I love his deep ball throw. I like his size. I like his ability in the pocket. Will Greer, flashes of brilliance, flashes of mediocrity. Dwayne Haskins, I'm just not sold on him necessarily. Big, statuesque, pocket passer kind of guy. I could see somebody falling in love with Kyler Murray and taking him in the first round. I really can. And if that were to happen, it doesn't seem like it's an awful decision. 66% of first-rounders in the Major League draft actually make the Major Leagues. Okay, that's a good stat. Thanks, for Dub, for tracking that down. How many of those first-rounders actually end up big-time players in Major League Baseball? Half? A third? You know, in this idea that if you are, people are like, well, you can have a lot longer career in baseball. Yeah, if you're really good. If you're really good, you can have a lot longer career in Major League Baseball. But if you get drafted and get into the into the situation where you're a franchise quarterback, you can make a lot of money in the NFL too. So I think Kyler Murray's got an intriguing question to decision to make. But I think Tua should have won the Heisman Trophy. 
I thought on Saturday night we saw that Tua could have thrown for 500 yards against that Oklahoma defense if he had needed to. Kyler Murray, after the game was already decided, after his team was down 28-0, made some plays. Congratulations to him. But even Oklahoma fans did not feel like they ever had a chance. It was kind of funny. I was in line coming back from South Florida yesterday. And you know how it is on like Sunday, cruise ships disembark. And I was in the Fort Lauderdale airport. Massive, huge collection of people. It's a zoo in the airport. There's a lot of Oklahoma and Alabama fans there. And this guy got off a cruise ship. And uh, he was talking to some Oklahoma fans in front of me. And he said, hey, I, I didn't get to watch the game. I was on a cruise ship. He said, uh, was the game as close as the score? I don't know what the final score was. What was it, like 40, 45 to 34 or something like that? And the Oklahoma fans felt like they were like getting trash talked. And they were like, no, the final game was the final score was not as close as the game. Even Oklahoma fans never really felt like they ever had a chance to win that football game. Defense never got a stop when you needed it to. Even when they scored 10 unanswered in the third quarter to make it 31-20, you never felt like Oklahoma remotely had a chance to stop Alabama. So Alabama gets the win. The other side of the equation, Clemson dominates Notre Dame. I think there's a legitimate question now going forward about whether Notre Dame ever gets the benefit of the doubt to make the college football playoff again. Because the last time they made the big-time game against Alabama, they got destroyed. The biggest story of Alabama-Notre Dame the last time they played was how good-looking A.J. McCarron's girlfriend was. That's how bad of a beatdown that game was. And the same thing happened minus the good-looking girlfriend against Clemson. It was an utter destruction that we saw Clemson put on Notre Dame. And frankly, Notre Dame didn't look ready for prime time. And I told you, I said, this is the challenge that the college football playoff committee has. Notre Dame was not one of the four best teams in college football. They were one of the four most deserving. But if you were just ranking teams by whether they deserved to be into the college football playoff or not, Georgia would have gotten in over Notre Dame. And Georgia would have played Clemson a lot closer, may well have beaten Clemson. Now, Trevor Lawrence, a hell of a player. Clemson has got a lot of good young talent. I love T. Higgins, a wide receiver. Um, He's going to make a lot of money in the NFL. But I think Georgia could have played that game competitively. But that's the balancing act that the college football playoff committee finds itself facing. Are you going to reward the best are the most deserving teams. Georgia was the most deserving team, but sorry, Georgia was the better team, but Notre Dame was the most deserving team. And so as a result, you know, what's interesting to me, I was looking at these ratings, college football playoff ratings tanked. Why didn't people watch on Saturday? I don't know. Was it because a lot of people were caught by surprise? Was it that the matchups weren't very good and most people assumed we were going to get Alabama-Clemson part four? Now people are traveling out. I'm going to travel out to Santa Clara, out to the Bay Area to go watch Alabama and Clemson play for the fourth straight year. You know, I talked to a lot of Alabama fans and some Clemson fans too. I think a lot of people are like, man, I don't want to travel all the way out to Santa Clara. It's expensive to follow your team. 
Both these teams have won championships recently. What they should do is just play this game in Atlanta. Would be a really difficult ticket if they did that. Instead, you got everybody having to travel all the way across the country. It's not that easy to get to the Bay Area from most of the South. Atlanta's got tickets. Got some nonstop direct flights. No nonstop direct flights to the Bay Area in the, in the whole state of South Carolina. None in the entire state of Alabama. Even where I live, not that many flights in from Nashville nonstop to the Bay Area. Atlanta's got a few, but it's just not an easy trip. And so I think college football has got some Saban fatigue. I think he has so dominated the top of college football that your casual fan doesn't even tune in because they just assume Alabama's going to do to Oklahoma what they did, get up 28 nothing. I think a lot of people don't really care about Clemson, and I think they didn't believe in Notre Dame. As a result, the ratings were down like 40% off of last year. Now, last year you had a scintillating game in the college football playoff between Georgia and Oklahoma, one of the best college football games you'll ever see. But, man, that's the exception so far in terms of college football. We've played 10 semifinal games Eight of them have been blowouts. And I think that's the biggest argument against expanding the college football playoff to eight. You thought Alabama was good against Oklahoma. Can you imagine what they would have done to Central Florida if they had gotten to play Central Florida after several weeks to prepare? It would have been even more of a disaster. And so I think that's the best argument against expanding to eight is there just aren't eight teams that deserve to be in the playoff. Speaking of which, how about Michigan? Probably going to unpack this later in the week. Difficult to defend Jim Harbaugh at Michigan now. There's a lot of people out there who came after me when I said, look, Jim Harbaugh is the most overrated coach in the history of college football. Did you see what Dan Mullen did to him on Saturday? Early kick, maybe a lot of you didn't watch. Michigan got whipped. I think Jim Harbaugh has got a real decision to make as to whether or not he goes back to the NFL. Because based on what we saw from Michigan against Ohio State and what we saw against Florida, Florida's not a very good team this year. 9-3 and three entering this game, got dominated by Missouri, dominated by Georgia, lost by double digits to Kentucky. It's not a good football team. They're going to be good, I think, under Dan Mullen. Not a good football team right now. And to have that game go the way it did, for Michigan to come back after getting destroyed by Ohio State and then get destroyed by Florida too. By the way, I think it's hard to defend Jim Harbaugh right now. And it's hard for Michigan fans, I think, to argue, hey, you know what? We're close to the college football playoff and winning a championship. No, you're not. Can you imagine what Alabama would have done to Michigan if they had gotten by Ohio State? Would have been a bloodbath. Would have been an utter disaster for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. Alabama would have destroyed them. Might have beat them by 50. I don't think Michigan is even close to being a championship caliber team. I think if you're a Michigan Wolverine fan, in the wake of that defeat, you had to sit back and say, you know what? I think Clay Travis is right. Jim Harbaugh is okay. I think maybe it's time to acknowledge that our ceiling as a program, 9-3, and 10-3, and 10-2 maybe if everything goes perfectly, that's your ceiling. A lot of difference between Alabama and Michigan between Clemson and Michigan. Hell, there's a lot of difference between Ohio State and Michigan. 
Jim Harbaugh has not adjusted to the current offensive reality in the college football game, and his pro-style offense looks pedestrian and slow compared to everybody else. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We were talking about Kyler Murray and the decision he's got to make. And there are, of the first-round Major League Baseball draft picks, a small number of them in general end up having three-plus-year Major League Baseball careers, around 40% or so. You actually have a higher probability of having a multi-year NFL career if you are a first-round pick than you do if you are a first-round pick in Major League Baseball. So I understand everybody out there who's making the argument, oh, longevity-wise, Kyler Murray should go to Major League Baseball. I don't think so. If he, if he could be a first-round NFL pick, he's actually got better longevity at the quarterback position than he does in Major League Baseball. And by the way, the other thing is, I think if he went to the NFL and it didn't work out for him after his rookie contract, He could always go back to Major League Baseball. I don't think if you go into Major League Baseball that you could ever come back and play football again. So I think there's a pretty strong argument that Kyler Murray should go to the NFL instead of Major League Baseball if he wants to have the best chance to maximize a pro career. And that's a little bit counterintuitive, but when you look at the numbers, I think there's a strong argument there. Uh, Kyle in Kentucky, what's up? Hey, Clay. Love the show, man. Uh, I'm fairly certain of this. I don't have Google in front of me because I'm driving, but I believe when King Griffey Jr. went into the Hall of Fame, he was the first number one pick in the history of the Major League Baseball draft to go into the Hall of Fame. So That, that, that might be well be true, but remember, right Kyler Murray was not the number one draft pick. I think he was number nine overall. One of the guys can look that up for me. I think he was number nine overall in the first round of the Major League Baseball draft. But uh, but you might be right about King Griffey Jr. as the overall... As a reference to how the success rate is. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, well, yeah, but I think King Griffey Jr. was the number one... Thanks for the call. Was the number one overall number one pick, right? I think he was the first pick in his draft. And then going into the Hall of Fame may well, uh, may well be true. There are certainly a lot of guys who have been first round picks and gone into the Hall of Fame. I don't I mean that that would that that is not true, but I think again Kyler Murray is a first round pick. He wasn't the overall number 1 pick in the first round. But if you look at the statistics over the last several years, you're guaranteed a 4 year contract if you are a first round pick in the NFL. Now I'm not 100% sure that somebody would take Kyler Murray in the first round of the NFL uh draft but why wouldn't you put your name in and go through the process and see where your name got called? And if you're a first-round pick, go ahead and try out football. And if it doesn't work, you can leave. If a couple of years in, you're like, man, you know what? I'm not tall enough. I'm having trouble seeing over the line of scrimmage. I'm not able to make plays. I'm not winning this job. I'm not a franchise quarterback. You go back into the NFL, go back into Major League Baseball. I, I don't see why that's a difficult decision at all. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. 
No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.